Hello, welcome to the My Generation Podcast. This is John, and I'm 51. And this is Jack, and I'm 18. And essentially what we're going to be doing on this podcast here is uh, me and my dad, John, are going to be talking about and comparing and contrasting the, uh, the music from our time uh, today, just to get right into it. Um, I'm going to be talking about my top three favorite albums from 2018, which was uh, my senior year of high school. And my dad is going to be talking about his top three favorite albums from 1985, which was his senior year of high school. Awesome. Let's so get into let's it. What do you got? Get right into it. So at number three, I have Veteran by JPEG Mafia, which I believe to be his third full-length solo album. And it's quite possibly the most energetic, outside-the-box rap album I've ever heard. Uh, the album is produced uh, solely by Peggy himself, and the production is chock full of samples and references, uh, some of which include uh, Travis Scott, uh, Old Dirty Bastard, Janet Jackson, and maybe Britney Spears somewhere, according to Peggy. Um, there's a lot of hard-hitting delivery here, uh, much of which pertains to his kind of witty take on current politics. Um, this album came out very early in the year, um, and to this day, I'm listening to it all the time. Uh, I am more than interested in what Peggy is going to do next. Um, he said that he's going to kind of remix communist slow jams and put it on streaming services, which I would be excited for. And uh, maybe we'll even see a new album by the end of the year. I got to tell you, being from 1985-86, the phrase communist slow jams is something I thought I'd never hear together. <laughs> but <laughs> I have that being said, uh, the album pushed me outside of my comfort zone, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, the first time through, I hated it. It was like swallowing broken glass. Mm -hmm. uh, the second time through, though, I just mostly disliked it. Um, the third time through, I tried to tune out the lyrics and what I perceive that they mean and just listen to the music. And I have to tell you that it's some of the most interesting sounding stuff I've heard in a long time. Mm -hmm, because the production quality on it is like a totally different thing than, I mean, I've really heard before. It's just totally outside the box. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. I think that, uh, is it Thug Tears starts with pens with clicking? With the pen clicking in the background. You just like looped it a bunch of times. Totally I cool. Really I think that yeah. was great. You know, there was one song that ended with birds chirping. Mm-hmm. But the most interesting sound was uh, the way he took ODB's kind of throat gurgle yeah. and actually made a musical instrument out of it. Yeah, that was interesting. So that how was he, cool. Like, how he like put in the drums yeah. and just rapped over that. I thought that was really funny. So again, you know, I, I thought it sounded really cool. The place I struggled was with the lyrics. You know, um, he has a dark sense of humor, <laughs> but there's also rage in there too. Yeah. And what I kind of struggled with is understanding what was humor and what was rage. Um, I also understand that, like, I'm an old guy. So, you know, back in my day, Tipper Gore got her panties all in a wad when Madonna talked about how good it feels inside. And uh, I still am kind of left with some of that liberal tight ass stuff. So, some of the kind of constant dropping of the N-word and the violent imagery confused me. And, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't totally get it. But you made a real good point when we were talking about this before. Yeah. It's, I think it's really supposed to kind of push you out of your comfort zone. And I think that a lot of people, like the first time you hear it or the first couple times you hear it, you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. I mean, I think that's really what he's going for in a lot of, in a lot of his music. I mean, he wants to make you feel uncomfortable. And I think that that's kind of his kind of signature style there. Yeah, well, I mean, 
that wouldn't surprise me because he's a super smart guy. His last name's Hendricks. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my my day, Hendricks was Jimi Hendrix, and he was a genius. And this guy's pretty smart, too. Definitely worthy of our respect. Um, he served in the military, a couple of tours overseas. He also has a master's degree in journalism, so I give him the benefit of the doubt. I guess just in conclusion, you know, the one thing I would say is there's no love songs here. I wouldn't put any of these songs on my makeout mix. <laughs> Well, yeah, absolutely. Um, I feel like that this is a lot. There's a lot of cuts on this that are like super hardcore. But if you go back in uh, JPEG Mafia's uh, discography, um, you can see that like on Communist Slow Jams, um, there's kind of some slower songs, obviously. And um, there was that song that was pretty much "I Want It That Way," right? That I showed you, and um, the newer song, "The Who." Yeah, which, which is really good. That's a good one. That's a great song. And um, on Dark Skin Manson, that EP that was released a little while ago, um, yeah, I think that I think that he is very has a is, has a great ability of kind of doing a lot with his music. That's, he's not like he hasn't trapped himself. He hasn't written himself into a box. Really, yeah. I think that he can really do anything he wants. He's an innovator for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, what do we got next? Uh, number two, we have Kid See Ghosts by Kid See Ghosts which is um, Kanye and Kid Cudi's uh, collaborative group there. And um, in this album, we see an introspective look at both Kanye and Cudi's uh, mental states and their respective troubles with mental illness. Uh, This is quite possibly the most vulnerable we have ever seen Kanye, which is very refreshing. Uh, There's a lot of really great production on here, all of which is from Kanye, I believe. And at many points, the production is heavily influenced by uh, rock music. Absolutely. That's what made this so comfortable to me. You know, like I said, I listened to Veteran first, and when I was moving into this, I'm like, oh, God, here we go again. Um, but i, I got to tell you, I liked this from the first time through. You know, it was a little mm-hmm. shaky start with Feel the Love. There was some constant N-word dropping that got me a little concerned. Again, my problem, old guy problem. Um, but then, you know, it settled in, and Fire, I think, is a great song, some super cool guitar jams. Fourth Dimension, awesome. Free is basically a rock song. Yeah, and I think that uh, Kanye even submitted it as a rock song for uh, best rock song for the Grammys, but I don't think it I, it did not get yeah submitted. That's too to bad because it's one. a it's a great song, and I got to tell you, Reborn is an incredibly optimistic song. You alluded to uh, the struggles that both artists feel uh, or have with uh, mental illness and. Um, Reborn is a song that, that gives you some optimism about about uh, changing your life. So I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think my favorite was uh, was the Kurt Cobain riff uh, from Burn the Rain in the Cuddy montage. Yeah, that's a great um, song. It's probably one of my favorites too. You know, Kurt Cobain is a fellow uh, artist, you know, genius artist that suffered from mental illness. So I think it's great that uh, that the artists are talking openly about mental illness. I think this is good for the world. And, uh, you know, my only concern is that celebrities live in a, in a different kind of environment than your average Joe does. And, you know, I hope we make some progress um, about kind of demystifying mental illness. But for the average Joe, who is a junior accountant in a consulting firm, talking openly about your mental illness is a little bit more difficult than it is for these guys. Yeah, I mean, I would still say that it's absolutely difficult to uh, like get on to the microphone and just knowing that the whole world is going to hear what you're saying. I, I absolutely think that that's difficult, and I just think that um, 
there's there's help for for both types of people out there, and that it's definitely good that the world is moving in a into a place where it's it's easier to talk about it. I agree with that, and these guys are absolutely uh, you know pushing that agenda and you know opening the conversation, and for that I I really appreciate that. Um, but I got to tell you, this was a great album, yeah. absolutely great. I'm so mm-hmm. glad you brought this to my attention. I, this is something that I will listen to. You, you know, going forward, veteran, not sure. Uh, Kids see ghost will definitely uh, get regular play in my yeah. in my rotation. And they've uh, they've both said that um that's not the end of Kids see ghosts, and they will be releasing some more music together. As this was kind of a more EP styled album, a little bit you could say. And I'm hoping to see something a little bit fuller in length from them, just because this was so great, like a little bit of a longer project. I yeah, this was short, but awesome. it was great. Yeah. Uh, I'm really glad I heard this. But the next one that you're about to talk about mm-hmm. is probably the greatest thing I've heard that's new in a long time. So why don't you bring us in on that? Yeah, so uh, here we have at number one, uh, Wide Awake by Parquet Courts. And um, I think this is an absolutely magnificent album. It's kind of got this art punk type of thing going on. And um, I just love everything about it. Um, Parquet Courts comes through with some pretty hard-hitting political commentary right off the bat. And um, throughout the album, they, they still make these really, really catchy songs while, you know, pushing, pushing their message about, yeah. like, about current politics. And um, I think that it's definitely, even though there's a little bit of political undertones here, it's still a really fun album to listen to if you just kind of tune that stuff out, if that's really not what you're all about. Yeah. And um, the lyrics are really witty, and they can be fun at some points with, like, the, you know, fuck Tom Brady at the end (laughs) of um, the first song. Yep. And um, uh, I think the vocals sound great, and the production sounds great to match. Um, The writing is fun and just fantastic. And it's just a great art punk record in my mind. And it's just really well-deserving of the praise that it's that it's gotten because it has sure gotten a lot of praise um, yeah, you towards know, I, the end of 2018. I actually heard Parquet Courts on my favorite Guilty Pleasure, which is a TV show called The Blacklist. Blacklist yeah. And uh, somebody said that uh, it's been on Ellen as well. So Yeah, they performed uh, one of the singles on Ellen uh, right before the album came out, which is really interesting. Yeah, for a punk band, you know, that's an interesting move. But yeah, uh, but yeah this is right in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Sounds like late 70s, early 80s punk. Loved it. Um, one of the band members, uh, who's also one of the singers, Andrew Savage, described the album as a punk record you could put on during a party. Um, and that's absolutely true. I mean, this is a, a great, absolutely easy to listen to album, easy to sing along with, but there's substance too. And, uh, you know, Freebird 2 is one of those songs that has a lot of substance. You know, this is obviously a, a song about a parent who's a substance abuser and therefore absent in the life of their child. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a, it's a tough song to listen to. Um, but, but most of the songs, uh, you know, are really easy to listen to, fun. Um, my favorite is Almost Had to Start a Fight, In and Out of Patience, mm-hmm. which to me sounds like uh, two separate songs that were jammed together into a single track. Yeah, but they, they, they flow really well together. They like, really do. Towards the end of uh, the first half and the beginning of like the second half, there's a really nice kind of kind of beat switch, if you will. Yeah, there. yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's just great. I could listen to that song all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Mardi Gras beads. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a dreamy song. Um, there was a song from the 60s, I think, by a band called The Association that was called Cherish. 
And it's the kind of song that you can hear in any elevator near you. <laughs> and Mardi Gras beads kind of has that dreamy kind of association vibe to it. So I thought that was uh, kind of a really cool and kind of uh, an offbeat kind of uh, inclusion in the album. So I liked that. And I loved the title song, uh, Wide Awake, which is kind of a party time funk song. Could have been from 1986. Mm-hmm. So... Um, Honestly, it's one of the best albums I've heard in years, and I think that this is an album that parents and kids can bond over. Absolutely, yeah. I think that um, this could... I mean, there's been a lot of really great punk music that's been coming out recently after kind of like a dead, like a dry spell totally, in punk totally, music. Yeah. I mean, I don't really see there being a revival in punk music anytime soon, but there is a nice little kind of underground kind of section of punk and post-punk that's been doing really well in 2018, 2019. I say bring it. The more of that, the better. Yeah, so I absolutely. Thought, uh, I, I would say of your three albums, I love two and respect the third. All right. All right. So uh, let's get into let's, your three. Let's transition into my three All from right. 1985. I'm going to start with the album that was probably my favorite album of that time, and that is Brothers in Arms by Dire Straits. Um I've been listening to this a lot lately, and I remember being in high school and laying on my bed with my headphones on and listening to this for hours. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that musical tastes kind of evolve because of the three albums I want to talk about today, (laughs) this was my favorite back in the day and probably my least favorite now. Mm. Now, it's a great album. I still love it. It was nominated for a Grammy. Uh, it, I think it actually won a Grammy for Best Engineered Album. Um, it was a very good album and uh, a big part of my life. But the three, the first three songs on the album, w- which were very poppy and uh, got a lot of play on MTV, mm-hmm. which are So Far Away, Money for Nothing, and Walk of Life, um, are just that. They're pop songs, and, and they're great. But I found myself more drawn by some of the later songs on the album. And actually, my two favorite are Your Latest Trick and the uh, title song Brothers in Arms, which I think is still very relevant today. This is an album to listen to when you have time. Mm-hmm. And you know, we live in a world now where you know, we all have these mixes and Spotify, and you know, we're listening to this song, then we're moving to that song, and then we, we're switching in and out of genres. Um, th- this is an album that's best listened to when you have yeah, like the full way through. Yeah, just absolutely. Sit back and and listen to it. And I just don't have that kind of time anymore. <laughs> so um, th- this was really good. Uh, it was my favorite of the time, but maybe of the three that I'm going to talk about today, this comes in number three for me. Yeah. How about you? I mean, I would say that this is a really good album, and I don't think it's aged particularly well. I do think that a lot of those songs kind of have these dragged out endings, yeah. which isn't particularly the style anymore. And No long guitar sing. solos these days. Yeah. Oh, I mean, it's <laughs> not really the problem with the guitar solos. It's just kind of a lot of the, a lot of the songs, like towards like the, the third, like towards the end, really, you just get these like really dragged out type of almost choruses or just yeah. outros, which just sound, sound kind of weird. And it's not, it's just because of what music sounds like today. It just doesn't sound like it's aged particularly well. But I mean, I still think that's a good album. And the first, like, three songs, really, as you said, are kind of like an early electro pop influence type of thing. And I think that otherwise, this album does is kind of a little bit of a mixed bag 
with a lot of the other albums as they're pulling from jazz and country western and and Car- Caribbean kind of music yeah. at different points, which I think can work, which I think works for them pretty well. Um, uh, there's no really set kind of theme sonically, but I don't think there really has to be on every album. I think that there's some albums that are mixed bags of uh, different types of music that work really well, and I think that this is absolutely one of them. And uh, yeah, I think that it's a pretty good album. Yeah, so that's the number three for me, and, and I just want to say... I'm not saying that I don't still love this album. I mm-hmm. love this album. But yeah. of the three that I picked for my top top three of my senior year in high school, uh, this was number one at the time, mm-hmm. and it's probably number three right now. So let's uh, move into uh, the album that I have at number two, which is one of my all-time favorite bands, R.E.M., and one of my favorite albums of theirs, which is Fables of the Reconstruction. Um, Fables of the Reconstruction is a departure for them uh, after their first two albums. This is definitely a concept album. Mm-hmm. It definitely has a theme of a kind of flawed characters in Southern Gothic times. It kind of feels like this is a journey around the South uh, singing about weird people. Um, and somehow or another, that works for me. Um <laughs> You know, Michael Stipe mumbles, and yeah. uh, it's sometimes very hard to understand the lyrics. And I think that if people took the time to really kind of look at the lyrics, listen to the lyrics, um, I did some Googling to try to find out uh, what was going on in, in some of these songs. And there are some really great stories here. And the one that I would just tell quickly is Life and How to Live It. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a song a- about a guy who built a house in Georgia that had two distinct sides. Uh, One side of the house was decorated a certain way, and he lived a certain lifestyle on that side of the house. And then there was, you know, like a solid wall between the two sides with just one door. He would walk into the other side of the house and be a completely different person on the other side. And he lived this kind of dual life in this two-sided house And when he died, um, they found a manifesto that he had written called Life and How to Live It, um, which you can still buy a copy of. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) You can get it on eBay for about $900. Wow. So it's a a deal uh, right there. That's a deal. But, but, you know, this is an album of weird people. You know, my favorite song on this album is Wendell G. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again, you look at the lyrics. And, you know, it's about a tree that's held up by chicken wire. I, I mean, it's it's kind of hard to understand, but um, it, it's uh, a really interesting album. W- what were your thoughts about it? Uh, yeah, I definitely think that it's, it's. I love how it's got this alt-rock sound to it. And, um, yeah, I really like how the guitars and the instrumentals really drive the music more yeah. than the, uh, more than, like, the vocals and the lyrics do, which is typically kind of a, um... A trait of post rock, right? Which, um, and I like how they do that on this, and um, I think that that's very like well exemplified on songs like uh, "Can't Get There From Here" and uh, "Kahootek," um, which are both pretty great songs in my opinion. And um, yeah, just on Wendell G, it's it's definitely the slowest song on this album, which I think to like your first time listening to it, you're kind of like, huh, this feels a little bit out of place. Like, could could you get that? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's a little bit atmospheric and, as I said, slower. And I think if you're listening to it the first time, you're like, huh, it's kind of weird that they're not really making like a bold statement at the end here. But I mean, I think that they are really getting 
across what they're trying to say. And I also think the banjo on this song, like the guitar and banjo kind of medley mix yeah. is, I think that that works really well with it. Well, I, I've read an interview with Peter Buck, who is the guitar player and who played banjo in that song. And he was not a big fan of Wendell G. <laughs> he in fact said that the only good part of Wendell G was his banjo playing. And I have to say that I think putting this slow song at the end kind of is making a statement and it is in fact my favorite song on this album. And, um, I, I think it's just a great song. So, you know, fables of the reconstruction was a very successful album. It hit number 28 in the U S charts. Um, can't get there from here, hit number 14 and driver eight, which I think was really, in my opinion, the hit on that Mm-hmm. album uh made it to number 22 yeah i think the driver is probably one of the strongest songs on that album it, it's a, a really great album it's a good one and, and really if people uh are interested google the lyrics and kind of listen to the the songs while reading the lyrics because it's mm-hmm. hard to understand michael stipe yeah. sometimes um this this album was uh was just solid and, and yeah, one of my favorites absolutely. of all time. Yeah, I think it's pretty solid all the way around. It's, there's I don't really see any really holes in it. It's yeah. it, it holds up. It it does for me too. I, I'm really glad you liked it. Mm-hmm. All right. So kind of the surprise for me in reviewing my top 3 from that time, I would have thought that this would have been, you know, number 3 or or maybe not even make my top 3. Um, but Listen Like Thieves by the Australian band In Excess is really the one I'm going to put at number one. Mm. Um, you know, In Excess was such a great band, and right as they were really kind of hitting their stride, their lead singer died, Michael Hutchins. And, and there was a lot of mystery and intrigue uh, around his death. Uh, you know, some thought it was suicide. Uh, there was actually a, a theory that it was rough sex, um, you know. <laughs> There's there's a lot that uh, people talked about, but I think this band would have would have really they they were wildly successful, but I think they would have been kind of in the top pantheon yeah. if they had kept going. Um, could have done more. They, they really yeah. could have done more. You know, I thought this was a great album. It peaked at number eleven in the U.S. and um, you know the hit single was "What You Need." Mm-hmm. on here and uh, there's an interesting story about that you know bands in those days used to book blocks of recording time yeah and they were uh they were at the end of their recording time and one of the record executives said hey guys you know i, I just don't hear a hit single in here um we've got 24 hours left um you got to find something and make it work so they had an outcast or a reject or a demo song called funk song number 13 and they kind of went about working on it and within 24 hours it became what you need which was the top top five hit you know it was the hit on that album mm-hmm. so i think that's a really interesting story what did you think of this album yeah i think that um i like the album but i do think that uh it's built around a few pretty strong singles yeah. which are uh, what you need kiss the dirt and this time and um i think that some of the songs in between them are just kind of there to pad the runtime and kind of seem like filler content in uh, in some situations. Even though some of them are pretty decent tracks, it's really only about a 30-minute runtime. So, yeah. I mean, I think that it's evident that they were a little bit trying to pad the runtime to make it a little bit of a fuller album. And I don't think that was and, uh, uncommon in those days. I don't days. think it was either. I mean, because the, 
the main way that people were consuming music was through the radio. Right. So, I mean, you got it. And then they would go and yeah. buy albums. And, Absolutely. And, like, I remember buying albums because it had two or three songs on it that I liked. If there yeah. were three songs, it became a must-buy album. Absolutely. I can understand that. So, yeah. On this album, my favorite two songs were This Time, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. And then I love, still love, Shine Like It Does. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, In Excess was a great just a great band. I had the opportunity to see them twice and uh, I'm really sad that uh, that they didn't go further. Yeah. Um, they were very influential and the, the one band that I constantly think about in excess when I hear now is Maroon 5. They, they were absolutely uh, influenced by in excess and I think they've said that. I think I've seen that in an interview. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so of the three that I went back and listened to from my high school days, uh, this is the one that surprised me the most, and I'm going to make the bold move and put that in at number one. Yeah, I mean, another track that I really liked was uh, Red Red Sun. Oh, yeah, that's a great... That's the closer. That was, yeah. that's, just, that's just bold, and that's just a fun like closing song that you yeah. can really... I mean, it feels... It, it's just a good song to listen to, and it, it's... Yeah, I love it. Good. Well, yeah. you know... We've just talked about six albums in about yeah, 25 know. minutes. <laughs> so um, certainly condensed, certainly uh, a lot of our opinions. Mm-hmm. And, and we hope that some parents and kids will go out there and, and listen to some of these, um, but also start talking about uh, the music you like and the music that they like and seeing if there's some commonalities. And I think that this is kind of a format that you and I are going to come back to throughout Absolutely. the podcast. Kind of like talking a... about a couple of albums that mm-hmm. I really like, a couple that you do. Maybe every once in a while we'll just talk about one artist uh-huh. for the full time. Yeah. Um, but we hope this was interesting to you. We hope that you like music as much as we do. Mm-hmm. And uh, and look forward to talking to you again the next yeah. time. Absolutely. Absolutely.